the place where I would typically start with a strength session is actually by asking people to think about, well, what really is a strength? And, and most typically the answer is that it's things that you're good at. And that is right to a certain extent, but it's probably not the full answer. And really the answer is um, about not just what you're good at, but what you're energized by. Welcome to the Grow Tribe. I'm Melissa McGowan and I have been supporting teams and people grow for over two decades. So it might sound like I have it all figured out, but that is far from the truth. In my early 40s, I experienced my great energy crisis. It brought me to my knees. I was living and leading in survival zone, either doing or feeling healthy, but never at the same time. For myself, my family and my career, I realized I needed to make some changes and my biggest learning was to manage my energy. I felt more connected and alive and I became the practicing chief energy officer of my life. And this is where the real growth started. I needed a tribe. I looked up and I realized I was not alone and neither are you. Go to Grow is about connection with real and messy growth. The failing, the learning, the healing, the vulnerability, the bravery, and the aliveness, not just the glossy outcomes. will help you connect the dots between your energy and the impact you desire to have in your life. Our guests help create space for you to grow. They provide insights, inspiration, and information. We'll call them the practicing chief energy officers of their lives too. Go to Grow helps you navigate the rocky road towards greater growth for you. Do you ever feel like you are going through your day in a way that is similar to driving a car with the handbrake still slightly on? Well, it's possible that you don't know your strengths or you're not operating from a place of strength. And that's what we talk about today. I'm joined by Andy Jenkins. He has a really diverse and extensive background in leadership and organizational development, both in Australia and the UK. And at the moment, he is particularly focused on supporting busy managers understand how to really operate from a place of strengths. And he has a, um, a tool that he's designed to help us understand what our leadership strengths are. I will put in the show notes a special access code for you so that you can take um, the leadership strengths diagnostic and understand what your strengths are in the context of what is actually important to you in your role and then what your development area is because there's a difference between weakness and development and Andy really helps us connect the dots today between our energy and our superpowers so I hope you enjoy it I had a strong coffee while Andy and I chatted he was in the UK so he had a beer regardless Enjoy this podcast and I really encourage you to tap in to the energy of operating from a place of strength. Hello everyone and welcome back. Particular welcome to the Grow Tribe, those who have been listening for a while, wherever you are today, out walking, at your desk, perhaps in your car or even back on the train and welcome to anyone who is new Today, we're going to dive into something that is so connected to your achievement, your impact, your confidence, and of course, your mojo. And that is around knowing and using your superpowers or your strengths. 
Now, I grew up in organisations that were really into strength-based development. Did a lot of work early on with Singer Folkman models and and Gallup as well, StrengthsFinder. And in the StrengthsFinder language, I am a relator, an ideator, an activator, positivity and command. And it's all really good stuff. And I've always been really, um, I guess, committed to strengths-based development. But what has made me even more sort of passionate about this area in the recent years is my experience, and I'm guessing yours as well, around when our strengths are more likely to show up and how connected that is to whether or not I'm in a positive state. And so our energy, right? Our energy is how we feel. And what I have like absolutely experienced is that when I've been more stressed, and I'm particularly thinking of you know, one example of going through a really stressful time at work, you know, and I was, I was living in that kind of survival mode, right? I was reacting. I was just trying to cope with stuff. I was probably feeling more worried more often, you know, maybe having a little bit of self-doubt. I was chasing my tail as many as are, many of us sort of are in that sort of soup of life, right? <laughs> trying to navigate it. And what I found is that some of those strengths that I mentioned, like, for example, my decisiveness, they just kind of fell off a cliff. I wasn't able to access them as I normally did. And of course, I didn't see it at the time, but it started to impact things. It started to impact my performance. You know, my activation, my results orientation wasn't what it normally was as I was in the midst of an energy crisis. So that's sort of really helped me double down on just how important and how connected to our mojo our strengths are. And in the coaching work that I do and working with so many, you know, managers and leaders and people in so many years in business, I often hear people say, I don't want to hear the good stuff. Like, you know, I see we've done this diagnostic. I've got the report. Just give me the bad stuff. Tell me what, you know, tell me what I need to fix or tell me what, you know, my weakness is. And we're going to talk about that today. Like, what, what do we mean by that? And what's the difference between weakness and development, for example? And what does the research tell us about how much more effective we can be if we do focus on our strengths and develop there versus just focusing and developing from our weakness? And I also thought about when I was preparing for this podcast, how often many of us have had to deal with in our careers being in the wrong job. Whether you've managed someone yourself and you've got to the conclusion that, you know what, it's just not working out or whether you've been in that situation. And again, that brings up that survival sort of zone. And, you know, if that becomes an MO for us, you know, we're really dipping into more of a burnout zone. But I feel in my experience in people and culture over a couple of decades, that misalignment around strengths and the context and the environment is often part of that this is not working out. And as we know, that can be really de-energizing. So today, I just encourage you making space for your own growth again and reminding you that, you know, we're about that real and messy growth here. We're not just about seeing the promotions on LinkedIn. We're not just about completing the certificates and the courses or those holiday photos. Like we're about the stuff that goes on behind that growth, the failing, the exploring, the experimenting, the healing dusting yourself off, showing back up. And we're making that connection between how you feel and how you perform. 
and that your growth is really energizing. And that's what we're doing, practicing becoming the chief energy officers of our lives. Because I don't know about you, but myself and most of my guests are fairly committed to having the impact that we want to have in this world. Yes, performing at our peak, all of that good stuff, but also to feel vital. Vitality is everything. And you know what vitality is about? It's about energy and strength. So you may have done some work before in your teams, individually on what your strengths are. But if you're like many people, many leaders that I've worked with over the years, you did that exercise, you put that folder on your shelf or you filed that away and it's been collecting dust ever since. And it's not necessarily something that's front of mind for you and perhaps things have changed. So encouraging you to come back to it. You may be languishing a bit. There was a great article that Adam Grant, organizational psychologist, wrote recently about languishing. If, if you, like many of us, have been feeling blah for a little bit too long, then you know it might be time to re-energize. And a great way to do that is let's get anchored into why strengths are important. So my guest today is joining me from the UK, which is interesting. So I'm looking out the window here in Victoria, Australia, and it looks like I could be in London. It's grey and drizzly. And we are both in our strength zone. I have a nice strong coffee. Andy has a beer, which is um, okay because it's the evening over there and it's well-deserved. So I'm really looking forward to diving into this topic of, of strengths and energy and everything. So Andy, welcome to the Grow Tribe. Thanks, Mel. It's really great to be uh, joining you. Excellent. Excellent. So I'd love to hear a little bit about uh, your week before we kind of dive into our topic. And in fact, perhaps we'll start with uh, energy, recognizing it is nighttime there and it is morning here. But how is your energy today? Yeah, really good. Thank you. Yeah, not, not bad at all. I think for me, definitely an evening person rather than a morning person so uh, even though it's late at night and it's dark outside uh, actually it's about finding <clears throat> time when you really energize so uh, certainly over lockdown i found myself probably a bit more energized a bit more able to focus probably in the evening less distractions and a bit a bit of a clearer head oh that's so interesting so would you have had that clarity before on when your kind of you know most productive zones are in your day do uh, you know actually probably not it hadn't it's it, things have kind of become a bit more clearer sometimes haven't they during the pandemic i think you've kind of had these a bit more time to reflect and think about things and i'll probably be more typically used to traveling more and up and down the train i'm in the north of england traveling out to london which is you know quite common and so you're up early and you're back late and actually when you're at home you've got a bit more time to spread out your activities and to plan your time in a, in a way that suits you best, really. So I think that's that's probably been a bit of an upside of the of the lockdown, really, for me. And these are great insights, aren't they, to take into, I mean, and people are getting them everywhere. I was just coaching someone yesterday and we did an exercise and he figured out when his sort of most naturally productive time was and when he had certain tasks due and the recognition that he needed to be sort of protecting certain parts of the day more energetically in terms of you know holding some boundaries so he can get the work done you know better and faster and more accurately so as people are returning to the office uh getting these little insights and figuring out okay how do i now uh sort of hold on to some of that time or energy that that has been serving me well and make it work in the you know changing context 
De- definitely. And for me, there's probably a little bit of procrastination that fits in there as well somehow. I think, you know, you, 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 there's probably things on your list you don't always get to that you really want to do. But actually, um, there are probably other things. So, you know, today I've been able, and this week, in fact, I've been able to um, pick my daughter up from school every day and, and, and drop her off in the morning most mornings. And that's actually that's always really energizing anyway so actually if you if you're able to do some of those things then you can actually find time for the other other important things later well if that suits you and it suits other people well what's bad about that you know yeah yeah and it's so good and it's just a reminder that you know we think about that recharging of our energetic batteries you know there's obviously the physical stuff's really important but you know connection like that emotional energy and it just gave a great example there of connecting this i've had some great connections this week too but i also um i like to remind the grow tribe and sometimes challenge my guests as well to just surface for themselves wins that they've had in a week because as we know wins big or small are so meaningful and as you know growers and high performers as many people are that listen everyone's very compelled to move on to the next week and think about what's next. And I'll just challenge all of us. And so I'm going to ask you now, Andy, what what wins or what's a win that you've had this week? Yeah, a great question. It's important to reflect, isn't it? But t- today, today's a, a, an easy answer to that question because um it's been for 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 us in the uk april's been quite a tricky month with easter and also lots of change with people coming out of pandemic lockdown and stuff so it's been a quieter month than normal i, I work for myself so it's great to have won a, a, a tender this week for a, for a really nice piece of work supporting small businesses in my, in my local region so looking forward to running some workshops for them so that that, that news came through only a few hours ago but that, that's always great isn't it to have something new and actually the opportunity to maybe even get out there and start working with people face to face for the first time in a long time really yeah which is that which is re- really energizing yeah yeah that would be yeah i think people are really ready for that and um andy tell me when do you feel really alive in your life this is another question i like to ask people just to get a little bit personal quickly and get tapped into kind of that zone, which is really different for everyone. But what, yeah, when do you feel alive? It's a great, it's a great question. I've been pondering this actually a little bit today. And so my, my first answer to that is, it's not really about work, actually. It, it's about being out in, in nature. I, I find myself on screen a lot. Uh, yeah, you know, I work from home. I've got an office at home. So for me, it's it's been trail running has been a real savior, particularly over the, over the winter, which we've, which we've had here. It's been pretty cold uh, and, and pretty bleak, uh, you know, given what's going on. But I think, um, but when then when I asked my I asked my wife actually, where do you, when do you think I'm feeling really alive? And she gave an interesting answer, which relates to what I just was talking about, which is actually when you're messing around with with your daughter uh, when you when you you know you're excited when you you finish the meeting and you're like I'm going to pick my daughter up. So there's so there's, but there's something in there about it's kind of the theme is probably about play, isn't it? It's kind of about doing something that actually is um, a little bit, a little bit different, a little bit creative, kind of a bit of interaction with people. Um, and, and the trail running thing, I think, is is about just going out and and doing something you really enjoy and feeling a bit stretched and challenged, but also just really uh, kind of uh, motivated and, re- and relaxed, but but also pushing yourself a little bit. So I guess a range of experiences in there, but I think. But then going back to the workplace thing, play is an interesting kind of concept that I don't know whether it's necessarily something we deliberately do much of in work. But actually, when I think about when I feel really alive in organizational 
kind of work. Actually, it's about playing about with new ideas. It's about creating new things, actually. So play's got a probably a role to play. So it's so interesting. I mean, I the connection, right, of, of nature and being out and also connection with your daughter and, mm-hmm. and playing. And um, it's come up a little bit, this idea of playing. And I've got someone coming on the podcast in a few weeks to talk about it because it oh, wow. sort of makes sense, doesn't it? Like, let's have a little bit more fun. But uh, how do we do that? <laughs> so uh, it's, yeah. uh, I appreciate you bringing that up. Well, it's, it's been a real insight for me. It's, it's a real conclusion. I'm like, actually, that is, that is a real thing and probably something I can actually delve into it more in, in perhaps a more deliberate way. I think unintentionally, so many of us, when we're working, have this assumption that that we need to be, you know, more sort of serious and game-faced and focused and, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's really interesting to think about how we how we might just challenge ourselves on that well, well Andy, I think, let's dive oh sorry go ahead i was just going to say just on that point i guess there's it, a bit of the humanness in there isn't it? i think one of the things i've noticed with yeah. with my clients is i got to know them on a slightly different basis because you see the interruptions in people's lives at the but you see what's going on in their personal life you you see their cat and their family and all that and you get a sense of energy as well when people are perhaps Perhaps they're a bit more themselves. The mask comes off a little bit, doesn't it, when you've got a video screen and people are on the fifth or sixth or seventh or tenth meeting in a day. Oh, so, totally. ma- so maybe there's something in there about that, actually. You know. Yeah. And I think that human connection in such a connected world that we are digitally, you know, those, those real human moments uh, are so meaningful right now and so important. Yeah. Your background is really extensive in terms of, um, you know, organisational development and leadership development, and you're doing a lot of work around strengths. Why? And tell us, you know, tell us about it and why you are, you know, really now focusing in on that area. Yeah, thank, uh, th- thanks for the introduction. Extensive, yeah, 20 years. Yeah, I had more hair when I started, definitely. But um, I think uh, f- for me, the my first introduction to strengths was quite a, a, quite a lucky um, kind of instance. I was working for an organisation. We were running a, a, some masterclasses for a client and uh, we were lucky enough to get this guy called Professor Alex Lindley, who is um, based in the UK, uh, but he is the founder of a company that's now called Capfinity. Uh, but at the time, they were called Cap Centre for Applied Positive Psychology. Um, and he is um, a real pioneer in the strengths space. He developed a tool which is now called Strengths Profile. And so this was at a time before we'd actually finalised developing that tool. And, and just posed some really brilliant questions, actually not too dissimilar to, to Mel, the question that you posed earlier about, you know, when do you feel really alive? When do you feel really energised? And that was a real eye-opener um, from a lot of the, you know, the original thinking about about leadership and about, about being serious and about managing and all that kind of stuff. So um, when I moved to Australia, probably 10 years ago now, I was one of the first people in Australia to, to qualify to use that tool. And I've been using it on and off ever since in my organisational practice, certainly in internal OD roles. But then since relocating back to the UK 2018 and setting up by myself, it's really become one of my go-to tools because actually I think people really do need to understand themselves in a, in a in all their complexities and their kind of 
um, rawness rather than I'm an extrovert and you're an introvert and that's a bit different isn't it it's like actually you really need to understand yourself and all the complexities that you bring to the situation um, but also understand how you manage your energy so for me using using strengths tools has been a really powerful way of working with with leaders and, and with teams and perhaps help bring some definition to some of the words that get thrown up a lot around here so obviously strengths <clears throat> and then that brings up you know, the concept of uh, weakness or gaps or development areas uh, and also dark sides of strengths and these things. So perhaps you could sort of give us a bit of, um, you know, bring a, bring a bit of uh, clarity to some of these concepts. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And they're, they're really important questions. So I think the, the place where I would typically start with a strength station is actually by asking people to think about, well, what really is a strength? And, and most typically the answer is that it's things that you're good at. And that is right to a certain extent, but it's probably not the full answer. And really the answer is um, about not just what you're good at, but what you're energized by. And so really, when you think about that, that's that's actually a really important question to answer, isn't it? Actually, where do I get the energy from? And is is that something that actually really um, energizes me um, and I'm good at? Because what you can get is something called a learned behavior. So you might have something that you're good at, but actually it's not very energizing for you. It could indeed be draining. So just perhaps to, to shed a little a, a little example on that, and, and this goes back to, to a while ago when I used to, pl- I used to play soccer, I, when I first started out playing soccer in, in juniors, I was a goalkeeper. So I was wearing the gloves and I was standing around in the nets and all the actions, uh, uh, you know, in front of me, but not participating. But when I moved football teams, I really wanted to play outfield. So I ended up moving to a new team, but not telling them that I used to be a goalkeeper. Because what would happen typically is one Sunday morning, the goalkeeper won't turn up. It just happens every now and again, doesn't it? And everybody asks, you know, who wants to go in nets and and I didn't want to be that person because actually I wanted to be energized I wanted to enjoy the game and do what I was, do what, what I did best rather than play in a position that I didn't particularly enjoy doing um, even though I was I was not too bad at it I'm quite tall I've got long arms and I can I can jump and catch the ball so for me that was kind of a you know when I reflect on that that was probably quite an important thing about actually if I'm going to contribute to a team actually I want to be in the role that I can really contribute best uh, and and not and not um not it's not that I'm not unwilling to do some of the dirty work that, that's really important but actually you need to understand actually how best you can contribute and and that is not just about things you've got up but is about where you're energized by so so that's that's the for me the the, the strength bit is really important and and I think for me the the takeaway from that understanding what a learned behavior is is an important concept but then I think the other the other point you touched on there Mel that the the difference between a weakness and a development area. This is a real, a, a real important one for me. I think, in organisations, having you know worked in large organisations with lots of performance management processes, we often shy away from the word weakness for some reason. It doesn't feel comfortable, um, and so we use development area instead, don't we? And sometimes that is an absolutely appropriate kind of substitute, but I think actually it's not always, and so. Really, when you've got a weakness, that is something that, you know, it's, it, it's it's not my strong suit. It is a gap for me. It's something that, and it's something that actually, um, I, you know, I'm not my best at. Uh, if I think about some of my appraisals and 360s from early in my career, for me it was, you know, being planned and organised, being really disciplined with things. It certainly didn't come naturally to me, 
but it was always on my development plan and I did do some work to it and, I, and I've, I've definitely improved on it but you know what I'm never going to be a project manager and, and actually when I've been at my best I've worked with people who've got fantastic skills in the area which have really brought out the best in me and them so I think for me understanding that even though I've got a weakness doesn't necessarily mean I need to invest an awful lot of time in developing it as long as it's not going to cause me a major problem so I think that's the bit isn't it and that might remind you know back to the sort of um Zenger Folkman you know model that I remember learning all the years ago is you know if if you're naturally or you're two out of ten on planning and organizing and you chip away a little bit or you get a bit of help or you find some people to support you or whatever that is and you get to a kind of four or five out of ten you're like you know what that's that's good enough because on my critical thinking or, um, you know, my innovation or whatever, you know, your other actual natural strengths are. Yeah. That's where you want to kind of really focus to get that halo effect over your whole performance. But I wanted, I wanted to ask you, when do you think that gap becomes a problem? There's a word that I remember being used years ago, which was the fatal flaw or derailer. But um, for people listening, when they're thinking, okay, am I actually even clear on what my strengths are? Um, Am I actually using them? And do I need to be worried about my gaps? These are some of the things that I'd love you to share some wisdom with our tribe on. Yeah, sure. Yeah, it's a really important thing to to think about. And and there is a bit of complexity in there, I think. So we might talk about derailers perhaps in in a moment if we part that one for a second. I think for me, the, the critical thing here is about recognizing that before you really start to make the best of some of your strengths there you do need to think about are there any particularly critical weaknesses any things that will impact i guess your credibility your ability to do some of the things that are really important so you know if you were to write down what are the top five things to do in my job and have i got a weakness that relates to some of those well actually you do need to you do need to pay attention to that you do need to address that it is really important but if there's something that you do not very regularly. Do you think that's highly? Do you think it's highly driven by the context? Like, do you think that it changes? You know, someone might have done this once, but then depending on what's important in a certain environment, or help help me understand that. Um. Yeah, it, it probably does, but I think just to reflect on that question. I think it's probably more about the fact that we're often expected to do so many different things. You know, our, our jobs broaden out don't they and we end up with so many things to do and and particularly if you if you're getting on doing things well you only ever get asked to do more things don't you so there's going to be a moment that you reach where actually i'm on the edge of my comfort zone or the edge of my capacity or or the edge of my willingness to 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 go the extra mile sometimes and so i think for me that's understanding yeah some of the some of the expectations on you um and then you get promoted of course yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, 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 and then you do all those things and more, yeah. Which yeah, so sorry, I would c- say, continue. Yeah. So you were saying, make the list and 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 understand what's important in your in your job, and you know where you would self-assess that you might have some gaps. Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. But but there might be lots of other things on your list that, that actually you might attend to every now and again. There might be things that crop up at the end of the month, end of the quarter. There may be annual things. There might be some things that you have to do occasionally. But actually, you realise that they're not a really core part of your job. Well, those are maybe the things that, do you know what, you could spend a lot of time developing them, and that's fine. But you just need to be aware of what's the opportunity cost of that, because there might be some things that you 
have on your top five list of your of things in your job. And actually, you know what? If you were to spend an equal amount of time really developing those things from things that you're really good at, energized by, the difference in terms of your performance can be so much more. So I think for me, it's being wary of always focusing in on those perceived gaps. Actually, if they're not causing you a major problem, they're not things that are really crop up all the time, your best strategy is not to necessarily to develop them. It's actually to partner with other people that might really excel at those things and really focus in on, double down on, the things that actually are the unique contribution that you can make. Would be my would be my view. And I think there's some good good research to back that up as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so um, so so keep going, Andy. I mean, and t- tell us more. Um, you know, perhaps even some examples for people around. Yeah, yeah please. Yeah, yeah. So I think for me, on the on the development side, um, you know, we we talked a bit about derailers there, and and there's probably a a helpful definition of derailer because I think the other thing that does come up in some of our coaching conversations about strengths is about when. We get to the point of, okay, I understand my strengths and I know I need to focus in there, but actually you can overplay a strength a bit and that's where you really get a derailer happening. Perhaps when you're really good at doing something and so actually you, you, you use that kind of tool all the time, don't you? You bring it out and that can be, you know, that can have the negative impact there really, but particularly when you're doing all sorts of things, but you've got a set of behaviours, you've got a particular way of working that can be really effective most of the time, but actually there are times when it won't be. Um, Which I think is really tricky, isn't it? Because it serves people so well and then suddenly there's this risk of like over-reliance on strengths as as the continued way to perform at your peak. And what that brings up and something we talk about a bit on this podcast is, you know, manager magic, the idea of that big gear change to becoming like a people manager or taking on increasing complexity in your leadership and how challenging that tension is between like the the reliance on strengths and then uh, the need to, I, I guess, make some changes often around how we you know, I mean, the actor, I talked about me being an activator or, you know, achieving orientation, getting things done. And then when you're trying to figure out how do I do that through others, you know, that, that presents some, it feels like we're driving a manual car with the handbrake half on sometimes, I, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, so if I think about an, uh, examples of, you know, some organizations we worked with recently, uh, in a relatively small growing organization, you're taking on more and more, you want to grow your business, you're taking on staff and you're doing things. The expectation becomes bigger and bigger, isn't it? And and therefore you do more of the things that have made you successful in the past. That totally makes sense, doesn't it? But actually the more you do that, you realize actually not every situation is best suited to the style and the strategy that you've been using before. If you take your example of being action orientated, being really great at getting things done, there'll be times where that will get you in, that won't get you the right outcome. It, actually, there, there'll be a time you really need to stop and think we needed to get feedback from others when you needed to actually just check in with what's really going on, look at some options before you before you take the next step. And I think for me, the the challenge with that is that often because it's things that you're really comfortable with, really familiar with, uh, you're probably you're kind of least self-aware when you're doing it. So you don't even it's a bit of a trap. You don't quite know you're in it until you're like, oh, crap, actually, this didn't work, did it? We often talk <clears> about. Uh, you know, discomfort. And I'm thinking about how often I'm hearing people challenge themselves on their comfort zone in this last year in particular, uh, being the catalyst to making 
you know, some, some good decisions around, you know, their own growth. Um, and it's all, it's all taking me back to this idea that if we're living in our sort of survival zone and we're in a reactive mode and we're not necessarily feeling that great, it just to even be in touch with, are we using our strengths? What, what are they versus, you know, when people are sort of feeling, you know, their energy is more kind of um, optimistic and curious and excited and connected. You know, I feel like those strengths are much more likely to shine in that in that sort of situation. What else might you um, encourage people to do if this is something they're interested in diving into a little bit more for themselves, given how connected it is to, you know, performance and achievement and mojo and vitality? Well, I think for me, it's, it's using the wisdom of the crowd. I think, for, you know, if you think about leadership, for example, it's not an individual activity, it's a team sport. And so I think actually really welcoming and encouraging the giving of feedback is really important. Actually, you need somebody who's got your back who needs to say, do you know, well, in this particular time, before we run off and start doing things, let's just pause for a moment and think about what we might want to do here. That's probably the valuable thing that actually other people can see some of those derailers before they happen, probably better than you can, which I think can be a challenge given certainly people are working remotely a lot more. That can be difficult. So I think it's how do you build the environment where you're able to share provide and, and offer feedback in, in a way. I think that's a really important one. Um, Which makes me think about um, leaders, obviously not just knowing their own strengths, but doing something with their teams. Yeah. And then how do they keep, how do they keep that alive? Because I've seen those sort of workshops and stuff, and then it doesn't really become part of how they manage. Because that great little example you just gave there, which was um, even that feed forward, not necessarily kind of, yeah. you, weren't, you weren't sort of talking about last time you were talking about, hey, this time, which is great, or next time. Um, how can how can people keep this a bit more alive in their teams rather than it being, you know, and, and maybe something that makes, you know, giving feedback more comfortable? Well, I think start small. So actually, who's your little buddy? Who's your performance partner? Who is your who's the person that loves your weaknesses maybe that's the person you you need to work with most closely which you know so it makes it simple then doesn't it it, it you know i don't know about you but i work in multiple teams in lots of different places and so the concept team is, is such a big such a big thing isn't it so it's really hard to, to do that with everybody i think it's really understanding who the people need to work closely who the people need to reach out with maybe the people that you might clash with to start with but actually there's maybe something in there about you're thinking about things differently or you've got a different style you could be really good performance partners um so i think for me it's identifying either one or two people that you can have a bit of a better conversation with and actually learn something from and vice versa what do you think of the implications for people of not doing some of this work and knowing what their strengths are and their development areas what happens if we just leave our heads in the sand on this one well, I think there's a couple, couple of implications there. I think, f- first of all, burnout is a real danger, isn't it? Certainly, um, you know, when you think about lots of organisational examples at the moment, you've got a range of expectations from employers coming back to work, doing certain things. We've had it really good. We've had it on our own terms. And so when you're going back in there, you know, there's, there's th- things only get busier, don't they? Things only get more complex. So I think for me, 
not understanding where you're getting your energy from and how will you re-energize it is not is not going to enable you to perform at your best and over long term that, that has implications on not just yourself but your colleagues and your family so i think for me that that's probably the the, the first one um but then also just from a from a general performance point of view there's some good research here you mentioned i think um um uh is it kuzis and posner um or the uh, Zenger and Fortman work. But Zenger and Fortman, uh, their research shows that leaders who develop both strengths and weaknesses are three times more effective than leaders who just develop their weaknesses. So there's some good evidence to show that, yes, you do need to understand some of those Achilles heel things that you need to focus in on. But once you've got through some of those things, particularly for people in their careers who've probably dealt with some of those classic things like like my kind of you know organization i've i've learned how to cope with that and do that well enough actually what i really need do need to do now is focus in on on those strengths and make sure my development is not just focused on dealing with deficiencies so i think the for me the lesson there is actually make the most of what you've already got don't don't start to look for adding in more actually you, you've got some brilliant ingredients there use them isn't that a relief And, (laughs) you know, what came up for me then was, you know, when you talked about sort of we've been operating on our own terms to to an extent and there's all sorts of things going on, but some some of the negotiating that's going on as people make changes and if we're aware of, we're more aware of what what does energise us and when we are performing at our best, then we can recognise where we've got some boundary opportunities or some misalignments where we're feeling tension and then we're armed to be able to have a really great conversation that comes from the side of the individual and, and feeling energized and in your performance zone and staying out of that survival and burnout area, but also to the organization in terms of when you're going to, you know, to, to be able to perform and, and deliver. So I think both sides of the coin is covered. Um, Andy, if I can ask you one last question, I saw um, you posted something on LinkedIn about you know, people uh, you know, not necessarily having much time to dedicate to their growth uh, and their development, you know, over this past year. And I know that you're, I think, an avid reader. Um, <laughs> anything you've read recently that's, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be on this topic, leadership or where that's, that's had you change your mind about something or given you a new perspective, something you might leave us with from your reading. Yeah, I have. So I've I've just finished reading a, a book by a guy called Rob Baker. Um, he he um, is a UK-based uh, guy, but he, he did his Masters in Applied Positive Psychology in, in Melbourne. Um, and he wrote a lovely book called Personalization at Work. And for me, it, it really resonated. And I guess it it made me think about the, the things that we've seen as consumers, which is that we want everything on our own terms, actually. I personalise my news feed and I personalise you know lots of products that i buy wherever it might be but in work we probably haven't personalized things very well organizations you know certainly hr functions um organization development we try and do consistency because it kind of fits and it's fair and equitable but but actually i think there's i think there's room for negotiation i think actually we we do need to as leaders and as individuals start to to chip away at that and personalize things in in a meaningful way i think that humanizes work but I think also it, it helps you to do it better on your own terms. And, and actually, you know, you, everybody's got a JD, but to be honest, once you've evaluated it, you kind of put it in the in the drawer, don't you? And you get on with the work yeah. that needs to be done. So I think for me, it's what conversation do you want to have with your, with your peers, with your, with your boss, with your team about 
what are the things actually I really love doing and really energized and some of the things that I might not do. And actually, is anybody else up for really helping with those? Are there some things that other people actually don't enjoy as much as you think they do? And what could be done about that? There might be different ways of organizing work. There might be different things that you can do. So I think for me, it's it might be as simple as how do I draw up a bit of a contract with each person that I work with? Maybe there are some some expectations we can say each other. Maybe there's some things that we can deal actually that, that involve a bit more of me rather than just uh, the, the generic, here's what the job is. I think that for me, that, that was a real kind of light bulb moment actually about how do I personalize things, which I know as, an, as, a, as a self-employed person is relatively easy to do in an organization. It's not as simple and straightforward, but I think it can be done if you're having, having conversations with people and, and really getting into some of those things that mean the most to you and to others. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's one of those things that's been talked about in big organizations for a long time, you know, the customization of the employee experience and all these things. But yeah, I think it remains a big opportunity. So that sounds like a good book. I've written that down and I'll, um, I'll link it in the show notes as well. And, and again, it just brings me full circle to that win-win that we're, you know, we're going for here is, you know, let's, um, let's deliver, let's get the important stuff done in our weeks, which absolutely includes us and taking care of our energy, resting, recovering, you know, gaining stamina uh, mentally, physically, and 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 just being kind to ourselves. I think that's the other thing that comes up a lot this year is, you know, being compassionate to ourselves as well. Because uh, if we're not doing, well, we can't give what we don't have. So if we don't have energy and we're not sort of taking care of ourselves, it's very hard for us to do that as leaders, whether we're at home or at work with other people. So Andy, I really appreciate you um, putting a strengths lens on our conversation today. And I will put the links in there because I know you have... Um, uh, like a, a diagnostic, a, um, a profile tool that uh, people can access as well to get a little bit more clarity on on some of their strengths and bring some of what you've talked about today to life for them as an individual. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I, I've designed a, a tool over lockdown called the QPT, Quick Prioritization Tool. It's, it's not a full psychometric, but it's a way of helping people to really understand what to focus on right now. And it's got some development tips to help them to get started. Yeah, and I liked when I did it because I sort of filled it in as a as a newer business owner myself. I liked the idea that there's also the prioritization of, yeah, in that, for those listening, you can go to the link and you'll see what I'm talking about. So thanks so much, Andy. Um, I'm going to let you finish off your beer in peace and uh, get to bed, I'm guessing. And um, thank you, Grow Tribe. Stay strong, stay vital, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much for being here and being part of the Grow Tribe. It would be amazing if you shared this podcast with others at home, at work, gave it a rate and review in Apple Podcasts and shared any ideas about what you want to hear more about or who you want to hear from. I love to hear your updates. If you're interested in learning about how to become a Chief Energy Officer, you're looking to fuel your impact and your performance, could be you, could be your team, have a look at the link in the show notes about where to start And as always, drop me an email if you're looking for any support or you've got any insights that you want to share on growth. It's melissa, M-E-L-I-S-S-A, at go2grow.com.au. Thanks, everyone.